Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. We are doing a series this week on the newest book by William Paul Young entitled Lies We Believe About God. William Paul Young is the author of the book, now movie, entitled The Shack, and uh, last week Jim Osmond and I did a series of interviews together on the movie The Shack, we went to watch it and we discussed a lot of the uh, theological issues within that movie. And I hope that that was helpful for you, just to kind of equip you in engaging your friends and family members who undoubtedly have been, uh, at least some of whom have been to see this movie. It is uh, The Shack has been a publishing juggernaut. It has sold well in excess, well northwards of 20 million copies and has been translated into a number of different languages. I think I saw somewhere 20 or 30 different languages, maybe more than that. So uh, it is, it is, it's truly a, a publishing juggernaut and is a sad commentary on how biblically illiterate so many professing Christians are. It's been endorsed by uh, a number of people. Probably one of the most notable ones is Eugene Peterson, the author of the Bible version known as The Message, and if you have a copy of the message, uh, you may use it for, well, it's got a couple of different uses. Uses uh, You can use it for kindling. Uh, you could use it for target practice if you need to sight your gun in, your deer rifle. Uh, it would be really good to go out and put that on a post and um, uh, draw a little uh, circle on it with your black magic marker. And <laughs> so... Uh, as you might be able to tell, I'm not a fan of the message, and maybe maybe we can do a, a series on that sometime. Uh, probably knock it out in in a, a couple of days or so. But uh, we are dealing with William Paul Young's newest book, "Lies We Believe About God." And if you heard the program yesterday, I'm doing this series not because I wanted to, to just uh, beat up on William Paul Young or draw it out, because we did in, spend an entire week on the shack. But this. If if this even if this even sells ten uh, percent or or even five percent of the number of copies that the shack did this this too will be a massively popular book unfortunately and if there were ever any doubts as to whether or not William Paul Young is a false teacher is a heretic if there are ever any doubts that that he was is a man who is an enemy of the gospel, then this book should put those doubts to rest. I gave an introduction yesterday and uh, told you a little bit about the book and the foreword that was written by a man named uh, Dr. Uh, Baxter Kruger, who unfortunately is a designer of fishing lures, and it really broke my heart when I saw that because I like to fish. But um, anyway, today we are going to get into some of these lies. Uh, the book is comprised of 28 chapters, each chapter devoted to one of the supposed lies that we believe about God. And I, I want to do this, take a few days to do this. We'll, we'll wrap it up 
within a few days, I'm confident. But I want to do this because I think it's going to be a good exercise in discernment for us to hear these lies, quote-unquote lies, and uh, be ready to engage them. And if, if we hear somebody else repeat one of these lies, we'll be ready to say, oh, now wait a minute, that's that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. Let's talk about it. Here's here's why it's not. So so I think it'll be a good exercise in discernment for us. All right, the the first lie that I'll discuss, and we're not going to talk about all 28 lies because it just it would draw it out too long, and uh, I want to get on to other uh, things. But I'm going to hit, I think, what I saw as, as some of the more important, more egregious lies, quote-unquote, in his book, and we'll talk about these and engage them. So the first one I want to talk about is actually the second lie. The first lie in his book is that God does not like you. And everything in that little chapter is so subjective. I mean, it, it's, um, anyway, I'm just going to kind of breeze past that. But let's go to his first really substantial lie. And it is lie number two in his book, the first one that we will discuss. So chapter two of his, in his book, the second lie that we supposedly believe about God is this. God is good. I am not. Now, the first half of that is, of course, true. God is good. The second half, I am not good, um, that is also true, but William Paul Young says that that's a lie. That is a lie. William Paul Young flatly rejects the doctrine that is known as total depravity, and it's really a rather unfortunate name, total depravity, because it it has this connotation that, oh, well, if you believe humans are totally depraved, you, you think we're all uh, monsters and we're all, uh, you know, mass murderers or child molesters or something like that. Total, the doctrine of total depravity is not that humans are as bad as they could be. Yes, there, there are nice, a lot of nice people out there. There are a lot of very generous people out there. There are a lot of a very nice lost people out there. And there are some lost people out there that undoubtedly, if they were to be walking down the sidewalk and find a wallet laying on the sidewalk and pick it up and look inside and they see it's full of money, undoubtedly there are some lost people, not a lot, but there's some, who would uh, try to find the rightful owner and give the wallet back to the rightful owner with every penny in there. So, yeah, that's not the point. It's not that everybody is bad as they could be but that everybody is totally depraved in a spiritual sense in that there is nothing good in us, uh, that we are dead in trespasses and sins. A better way to state the doctrine of total depravity is total inability. Total inability. We are uh, All of humanity is totally unable to come to God on their own. Uh, we do not seek for God. God seeks for us and seeks us out. And the primary passage for that is Romans three ten through 11. Romans chapter 3, 10 through 11. The Apostle Paul says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who does good. There is none who seeks after 
God. Uh, no one understands. No one does good. No one seeks after God. So Paul is very clear. There are none righteous. There is none who does good. There is no one who seeks after God. God must seek after us. But William Paul Young would have us believe that this is a lie. Let me read to you, a, a, for lack of a better word, kind of a, a passage here out of his out of his book. And this is from page 31, page 31 in Lies We Believe About God. William Paul Young says this. He says, quote, My father was a missionary. He was the righteous man who who was never wrong, and he was a strict disciplinarian. I believed I deserved his anger, of course, because there was nothing good in me. I was being rightfully punished even when I didn't have any idea what sin I had committed by omission or commission. I did try to defend myself, sometimes by lying, but when that didn't work, I resorted to these words which I screamed over and over and over as the waves of his rage approached. I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. What I have come to understand over the years is that with every scream of I'll be good, I was making a declaration to the core of my being that has taken me decades to unravel. That declaration was brutally simple. I am not good. So, William, when you read this book, William Paul Young rarely appeals to Scripture, practically without exception. When he does quote a verse of Scripture, he does so out of context. He takes it out of context. And what he does not do All throughout all of these many lies that we supposedly believe about God, here's what he doesn't do. Not at one place in the book did I find where he actually engaged the myriads of Bible verses that contradict what he's claiming to be true. In other words, the verses that would refute him, he just does not engage them. He just doesn't engage them. It's like he pretends like they're not even there. He doesn't even try to engage them. He doesn't say, in other words, never, nowhere in the book will you find him saying like, um, in other words, uh, for this lie, uh, that, that we are not good. He says that that's a lie, that we actually are good. He doesn't engage Romans three ten through 11. He doesn't engage uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, which says, desperately wicked, deceitful above all things who can know it. He doesn't engage Jeremiah 17, verse 9. He doesn't engage Ephesians chapter 2, which says that we are dead in trespasses and sins. He doesn't engage any of those things. What he does is he appeals to his feelings and his emotions. He appeals to how he thinks God ought to be rather than how God has revealed himself to be. So he uses... He resorts to human reasoning, human emotion, human feelings, and he constructs a God after his own image. In fact, I have heard William Paul Young say this on video, and I have uh, seen this in an interview, an online interview that he's done. He says, if you want to learn what God is, if you want to learn who God is, learn about God, he says, look in the mirror because you're made in the image of God. So if you really want to know who God is, Look in the mirror. 
that has got to be the worst theology I have ever come across, and that is utter blasphemy. Yes, we are made in the image of God, and that does set us apart from anteaters and aardvarks and platypuses and dogs and cats and muskrats and chihuahuas or what, you know, we're set apart from the animals because animals are not made in the image of God. We are. That, but that means, that does not mean that we are just like God. That does not mean that we share in what we refer to as his incommunicable attributes. We are not omniscient. We are not omnipresent. We are not omnibenevolent. We are not all-loving. We are not all-powerful. We are not immutable. We don't change. Uh, so, and, and we are sinful. We are sinful. That's the whole crux of the matter here. We're fallen creatures. We are rebels. We have sinned against a thrice holy God. So if you want to look in the mirror and see what God is like, at that, now if you, I mean, if you want to see what God is like, don't look in the mirror. Look to the Bible. Look to the Bible. But he does not do that. And it is just a, a shocking, this is, this is not just a, a book with bad theology. This is an, this is a decidedly non-Christian book. This is a this is an unchristian book, and it is uh, it, it truly is shocking, dear friends. That that is the whole reason the cross was necessary is that there are none who are good. We are all sinners. We're rebels, and our sins have earned us the wrath of God. That's what our sins earn us. The wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but eternal death, spiritual death. And our sin, and that's why Christ died on the cross to satisfy His wrath. But that I get ahead of myself because that's another lie that we'll look at here in a little bit. And when you read this book, you get the sense, just like a, that uh, uh, section I read to you from his book on page thirty-one. There, so much of this book has the flavor of it is it is William Paul Young, who apparently had a bad upbringing. Uh, his father, who was a missionary, apparently from what we're gathering, was not a good missionary. Sounds like he was um, an angry man. Sounds like he was probably um, legalistic, moralistic. Uh, Doesn't sound like he had the fruits of the Spirit. So I don't know. I'm just, all I know about his father is what he tells us. But it sounds like with this, the shack and lies we believe about God, all the stuff that comes from William Paul Young, is his way of it's like a personal catharsis. It's like him working out his issues from childhood that he's never really come to grips with or never been able to to wrap his mind around. And he, it's, so it's like him. It's, it's like he's trying to reason out from his from a human perspective, a humanistic standpoint, how he could have his father could have been this way, and how he could have been subjected to these. Um, uh, abuses and still maintain a belief in the God of the Bible. Now, if he rightly understood the God of the Bible, this would not be an issue for him. If if he rightly understood God's attributes, and I think we're going to talk about God's attributes soon. If if he rightly understood the attributes of God, this would not be an issue for him. If he rightly understood the depravity of man, the, the total depravity and total inability of man, if he rightly understood how heinous sin is 
and how desperately wicked our hearts really are, then he could just go to the scriptures and he could understand these things. Uh, he wouldn't have to rely on human reasoning. But see, he's he's an idolater. And what I mean by that is he has created a God after his own image. So he rejects the doctrine of total depravity. He rejects total inability. He thinks that man is inherently good. But dear friends, that's the whole, that is Christianity 101. Man is not inherently good. Man is inherently bad. And you see, he has a very elevated view of man. And when you have a, when you have an elevated view of man, then that necessitates that you have a very low view of God. You cannot have a right understanding of you cannot have a high view of man and a high view of God at the same time. It's not possible. If you have a high view of God, then by definition, you will have a low view of man. You will understand that man is sinful. You will understand that, no, man is not good. And no, William Paul Young, you are not good. You are not a good man. Justin Peters is not a good man. We are not good. In Mark chapter 10, when Jesus was talking with the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And so Jesus was not calling into question his own deity. Jesus was not correcting him. Jesus was leading him. He was saying, You're right. He said, I am good, but do you understand why I'm good? Do you do you think I'm good just because I'm a good teacher, because I spin a good yarn? No. Or do you understand I'm good because I am God? There is no one good but God, and I am good because I am God. Jesus was affirming his deity. But as humans, human beings, as you and I, we are not good. There is no one good. No one good but God. Jesus could not have been more clear in Mark chapter 10. Jeremiah could not have been more clear in chapter 17 of the book that bears his name. Paul could not have been more clear in Romans chapter 3. Isaiah could not have been more clear in chapter 64 when he says, Our works are as filthy rags. So a very he has a very elevated view of man. If you have an elevated view of man, you will necessarily have a low view of God. And that is one thing that pervades, it's just, it permeates every page of the shack, every page of this book, Lies We Believe About God, and every second of that movie is a very low, very low view of God. All right, dear friends, um, we will go more quickly in our next programs, I promise, because uh, next program we're going to talk about uh, two, at least two more lies. God is in control, that's a lie, he says, that's a lie to say that God is in control, and it's also a lie to say that God does not submit. So uh, we're going to talk some more about these lies, Lord willing, in tomorrow's program. Thank you very much for joining me. do want to give you an update. I have all the artwork done on the new DVDs, the jacket cover, and, and um, I'm really excited. My new DVD, Clouds Without Water 2, will be coming out. I hope within about three weeks. It might be a month, but uh, I would th think safely to say within a month. My new DVDs will be out, and I'm really excited about it because Costi Hen has graciously agreed to and has already recorded for me 
uh, a, a video introduction. He's got a seven-minute testimony, so you will see Kosti Hinn and uh, hear his testimony. It's going to be just a great, great um, addition to, to my new DVDs. I'm so grateful for him and so excited about it coming out. So it uh, should be out within about, about, a, about a month or so. And uh, working on getting my new flash drives done with a bunch of the different series that I've done in the past. Uh, the Cessationism versus Continuism, the series I did on the Jehovah's Witnesses, Witnessing to the Witnesses, a uh, series on How to Hear from God, series, the interview that I did, interviews I did with Kosti Hinn. Uh, so I'm going to put a bunch of stuff on these new flash drives, and I'll have those available hopefully within within a few weeks, about the same time that the, the, the uh, new DVDs come out. All right, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.